Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Truth That Heals podcast. I am your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez. And before we start with today's episode, I want to give a huge thank you to my listeners who have been with me from the beginning. Because when I started this, it was just kind of for fun, kind of just to vent and to really just give a testimonial of how it feels to be in a cult and how it feels to get out of a cult and recovering and trying to deal with life. And to be honest, I didn't think that anyone would care to listen. And so it was really just me speaking freely. However, it's grown a bit and I'm starting to get uh, more engagements from people from different faiths and I believe that they have a story to tell as well not just my story but I want this platform to be a place where people can tell their truth and their healing because I think it's very important that we understand that it's not only our perspective that matters sometimes it's important to listen to the perspectives of others, to hear their pain, to hear their trauma, and to understand how it is possible to heal no matter what walk of life you are you are going through. So I started this podcast, as I was saying, really just kind of just to experiment, just for fun, just to vent and to give my testimonies. And from there... I went on to <laughs> to this social media platform called Twitter. And as I got on Twitter, I was really able to engage with a lot more people and to understand that not only in in Catholicism, not only in, you know, the cult that I was in, but also outside there are so many people who are experiencing shame and religious spiritual abuse so I've been talking with a lot of former uh, Jehovah Witnesses and I've been concerned regarding some things that have been brought up to me I became aware of very concerning policies that children are being considered quote-unquote willing participants in child sex crimes and disturbing information regarding how they deal with child pornography, their secret database, and their policies when an elder or leader gets information reported to them about CSA. And so for today's podcast, I'm having a special guest to kind of talk more about uh, these policies, these cover-ups, and also to talk more about the disfellowship, the shame, so that we can kind of understand how she felt and how other victims, how they feel being silent and to see all of these cover-ups. Her name is Natalie Grand. She is an author of the graphic novel Cult Girls, and I'll be le- leaving links 
in the description so you can check out her stuff you can uh hopefully buy a bunch of copies of her book and without further ado uh, i would like to now introduce to you natalie grant welcome back everybody you are listening to the truth that heals podcast for today's episode i have a special guest uh natalie grand natalie thank you for joining us how are you doing today i'm doing great how are you i'm doing good i have a copy of your book here cult girls and um i i have it here and uh, for those who don't know natalie she is a former jehovah witness uh, mostly in my podcast, I talk about Catholicism and how I was in a religious cult. Today is going to be totally new, and I'm so happy to have you here with us. Thank you. I, I was excited to talk to you because we got to get to know each other a little bit on social media. And yeah. I, like we shared before, I always get along really well with other cult survivors. I actually find them more um, interesting. So, so I was really looking forward to today. Well, thank you so much. And even though we're like different religions, different, different cults, you could say, the, the creepy thing is that there are so many similarities or there are like so many things that happened uh, on my side and when I look at your story it's like wow I see all these like cover-ups and all of the, all of this abuse and I, that's why you're here to kind of share more about it and to bring awareness yeah well I spoke about what I knew and I have a lot of experience in the Jehovah's Witness cult I fourth generation on both sides um, I was married in it. I've been disfellowshipped unfairly as a teenager when there was gross sin going on in our congregation. I was kicked out for two years, lost um, all my friends. I was told I wasn't allowed to be with friends. Um, you know, I missed um, my sister's wedding when I was young. Um, I don't even know one side of my family because I missed those years as a teenager and there was some pivotal moments and um, there's like a cloud that's on your head when you're disfellowshipped. So it's like you're marked. And so I missed a lot of that and then made some decisions after that because I was struggling and trying to get back in to get back with my family because that was all I knew was this indoctrination, even though I knew in my heart, I wish I could leave, but it, it's just so scary and hurtful when you're out. So, um, so anyway, so then I did get, um, I was married in it and then I tried to go up the highest rank that I could without like moving out and being like a missionary, like you were, but I did the highest rank that a woman could a full-time ministry with a secret book. They do have secret societies inside okay. Jehovah's Witnesses. A lot of these sects are, um, formulated the same where they're trying to make you seem like you're working towards this special something and you're expecting to feel a certain way. But really I was young and, um, and, and we can get into it. That's covered in the book. Um, you know, there's Armageddon's and they're holding this family against you and, you know, it just goes on. <laughs> so let me go back real quick to a word you use that I think not many Catholics are used to hearing was this fellowship. Can you explain like? The yeah, actually, they got version? it from the Catholic Church. Um, they might have used the word excommunicated 
And there is like, I have talked with people that were excommunicated. The process is similar, um, but the Catholic church kind of the mainstream ones. Now I know there's different divisions of things. They did get rid of that for the mainstream thing. Like a lot of religions will change with modern awareness and time. But the thing about the Jehovah's Witnesses is they don't. And one of their early presidents was Rutherford. And he was an attorney that didn't really like uh, women and people that leave. They've researched him. He's actually like locked people in rooms and stuff. He was a very... Um, kind of mean man. But anyways, he implemented the um, judicial system. So they have a judicial system and they do pick and choose who can come in and you can get disfellowshipped over something as silly as smoking a cigarette, but yet their leaders will be okay with child pornography or illegal voyeurism and women will come forward. There's like witnesses, but that's not a crime in the Bible. And it's definitely not reported to the police. So that person may not get excommunicated for that, but this person over here gets excommunicated because they smoked a cigarette <laughs> or they were seen drunk in public. So, you know, it's just like this wacky system. That's not fair at all. It's a boys club and it's ran mm -hmm. by men that are appointed by the church. We call them company men um, for us that are out there. It's, it's called rank and file, but it is set up kind of similar a little bit to um, a lot of the, um, their birth certificate of Jehovah's Witnesses was um, like an offshoot of the Catholic Church. And there's been lots of little sects that have developed on the tree since then and fallen off branches. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> sorry, I have a kid coming in the room. You have a, you have a fan. <laughs> okay, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so after you, you were disfellowshipped, you said for two years and then... Yeah, so I worked my ass off to get reinstated. I was actually pregnant, going out of town to a different um, meeting, and my original elders held my cards. Now, people that are members of um, organizations like this, they have lots of private details on people and databases. So they would not release my records to the congregation that I was in. And I was, there's a movie out there, it um, has famous actresses in it um, called Apostasy. And most mm. people find it very sad and depressing. But I was that girl on there that was sitting in the back of the Kingdom Hall pregnant. Um, and I actually went through my birth without being reinstated. And the elders kept meeting and they said, we just can't understand what you have done to, because I would just cry. I was so depressed. I was young. I didn't want to be pregnant, but you know, they're anti-abortion or whatever. And I still have, I have no regrets about that, but it was very, very difficult to have a baby with no emotional support and to have men that I thought were my father's. Uh, figures that didn't really care about me and they were blocking that reinstatement. And I ended up having my baby still in this um, two months into it and was being shunned by family and at the kingdom hall. It was crazy. And people were like, did you have an affair with somebody like afterwards? And it's like, no, I did not So it's like, it was like this crazy thing. So that was the first one. Um, later on, I did get a divorce in it and women in my area, they are treated much more severely. I was hunted down like in the book, like a wild animal spied on, um, certified letters, 
um, I was married, I was um, divorced, and my ex isn't a Jehovah's Witness today. Um, he's not disfellowshipped, um, but I was, um, yeah, they were hunting me down and I didn't want to lose my status. So I did get um, married and I felt like, okay, I can still kind of do this. You know, it was required by my family. They said, you have to do it. And I already had doubts. I was already bringing up things that I thought, you know, the world was, the Bible said the world's flat. And I really don't think that a lot of these things that are mentioned in the Bible, people were stoned and stuff that are being um, told to women today um, were applicable. So I, I do think the Bible has importance, like, you know, it's a piece of our history, but it is written by men. And some of the stuff just doesn't apply today. Uh, I mean, this is modern times, and we've learned a lot about human kindness and um, equality. So, you know, but anyway, so I did try to get reinstated, but the elders would not reinstate me. I tried so hard, but they wanted my children to study with them. And, um, and that was a big red flag. And there was no way over my dead body, they were going to study with these men. I did not know. Um, they wanted to take them to ice cream and they want to study with them. Now there is women that I have seen that are, um, very trusting. They tend to not be that bright, like uneducated, unworking. They do. They're like single moms. I've seen them deliver their children, um, to men in the congregation, but I was raised in it. I saw a lot of abuse, a lot of molestation and pedophilia, and there's no way, no way. And I'm not saying that those guys would have done it, but that is not being a responsible mother and parent. And I was a teacher. I was formally trained as a position of a pioneer. And I told them, I said, I know how to, I know how to pray. I know. How, and I do study with them. And they said, you are having a bad attitude. And I was like, well, their father go to him. He is the head. He doesn't, I don't want to mess up my custody and, you know, do that. So I kind of put it on him, um, so that they wouldn't keep saying that I was bad attitude, but that's the reason why I didn't get reinstated. And then my daughter was a teenager and she was seeing some things of, hateful things people were saying about me, including my own family members. And this is a religion that tears families apart. I have had a friend with three children and she was arrested at the kingdom hall. I mean, the, she tried to get reinstated, but her husband was a ministerial servant and his brother was an elder. And when she go to custody battles, they were all lined up. They got her kicked out of the church and nobody represented her. Like there's no, so, so a judge is like looking like where, you know, all these people are saying these horrific things. But when I knew her, she was a wonderful, loving mother. So, so they do go into people's family and they try to divide them. And they did try with my daughter and it worked for a little bit, but sad. I mean, good for her. It backfired because she was like, she was close with her mom before. And then she hated me for a while because people were saying really vicious things about me that were not true. Or they're just saying I'm a satanic person because mm -hmm. I left Jehovah and it was her job to punish me, but really they were hurting her the most. I'm a mature adult that's been through a lot, but a child, this is just too much to take away their own flesh and blood mother and say really 
three bad things when I financially took care of her and took care of her needs. And um, I'd help in her classroom. I mean, I wasn't the perfect mother because I regret that I raised her as a Jehovah's Witness and made her do some of my ministry. But we got therapy for that and worked through that. And we are close today. So I am a big advocate. I see a lot of alienated parents um, on Twitter that I have become friends with. And um, and so, you know, I talked to them, you know, like a little bit of hope, hey, I've been there. Um, but when you see this side, it's real. And it's very, very common inside every congregation um, and in cults like this. And I just feel like religion, that's where you separate like um, a destructive religion versus a good religion. A good religion is going to promote peace and love in your family and want these children to be loved and cared for and people to walk out with exactly. smiles and stuff. Exactly. That's what I, for me, like it, it's, I have to sigh, you know, because it's, it sucks because I think I'm not anti-religion. I'm still Catholic, but what bothers me is that many Catholics aren't ready to have the discussion that there is abuse happening and it's it's happening under their noses and many times it's spiritual abuse by religious people and in, i remember i was in uh, cerritos college back in la uh, maybe in the early 2000s like maybe 2002 and there was a uh, a victim who who was on the the radio station over at cerritos college and he was um, telling his story about being abused by a priest and you can really hear his anguish and his pain and and around around the the studio were you know the late the lay catholics lay catholics meaning those who aren't priests you know just the regular folk and they were like uh like hissing at him you know they were like so angry and i remember the um uh, the guy conducting the interview, he he asked af afterwards. He asked the the Catholics, he's like, "How can you guys claim to love Christ and to be Catholic when you're you're getting mad at the victim here? Like, how come you're not getting mad at the abusers?" And so, like yeah. hearing you talking about you know re religion and it, it just bugs me because yeah, it's supposed to be something where it's you find peace and you find safety. But like in the cases within the Catholic Church, and as you're sharing with us today in Jehovah Witnesses, it's like the victim is the one who gets the blame. I don't I don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that's, you know, the, this is real. Um, yeah, because we've had cases in the congregation that I grew up in. Um, I moved in there maybe around the age of 15 and, um, there was a pedophiler. He, um, was a, a ministerial servant, which is like, um, a God appointed leader. He was on the younger end and he was molesting, um, little boys in our bathroom. And I have little siblings and no elders told our family about this. Um, he, it was just handled in house, like a lot of stuff. Um, you know, a lot of these cases that are coming out, everything's handled a lot of them in house. And then later I went to a concert with him. I've hung out with his mother, no clue. We've been to their house. He played in a band. Now I wasn't one of his victims, but the really sad part is one of those victims as a teenager, he had, um, 
maybe a little bit of anger issues, something he was one of the molested ones. He committed suicide, they disfellowshipped him and he committed suicide. It wasn't years later until the court case came out. Um, and there was no journalist that really put it in the paper. So um nobody talked about it. And, um, but I knew about it because I know a lot of people, but uh, probably the most of the Jehovah's Witnesses didn't know about it. And so I remember I had a friend that we became friends, moved into the congregation. We were moms at the time, same exact congregation. And she was like, I heard rumors of a pedophile or we didn't really know each other. And she got the presiding officer, the main elder over it, was like, don't talk about it. So you don't talk about things, even if they're true. So there's like proof there was a case and it turned out that the elders like destroyed the files and stuff, which seems so meditated, like premeditated. And she's the one that's going to get in trouble with her kids. She just, all she wanted to know is her kids are safe. So I told her, she's like, what, why are they acting this way? And I said, oh, I'll tell you all about it. And we deferred friendship because I'm like, I like this mom. She's using her like, senses and so that's how we bonded and you know over that and she was like thank you for telling me the truth you know I was like I wouldn't trust my kids back there by themselves but um technically that guy is gone and yeah it was a real case and she was like wow thank you for sharing because nobody would hit it to her straight they're like oh they're like all like afraid and I was like I'm not afraid I'm gonna tell her because I trust her and it's all about trust like you're always watching your back because if you say anything about anybody of the elder body you're gonna get an embarrassing meeting right after the meeting and it's gonna look like you committed some kind of adultery or something they know how to work the system to shame women um to silence them so so you kind of learn I grew up in it so I kind of learned had a good sense of who to trust at that point <laughs> okay so so after all this happened with that one pedophile did you still stay with the Jehovah Witnesses um yeah because that's all I I thought oh you know maybe this is um I knew well I'm gonna back up I knew that there was a lot of abuse I had friends growing up in it that were um uh the word is it's CSA it wasn't by their father so it was by one of their father's friends who had a position and they were accused because they didn't go forward they had like a bag over their head like extreme abuse to of grooming it went on for a while and this guy's older than their father and they felt disgusting even talk there a lot of shame and disgust they felt and so I don't have the proof. I didn't have a camera or anything, but um, I believed them. And they did get formally announced. Um, and I was like, why are you in trouble? Like that, that was the first time I really saw that. I was like, why would my friend be her reputation? That could affect their perspective marriage mate because you get like a marking, you get your name announced and, you know, maybe a high caliber guy that wants to be elder doesn't want to be with a woman that's been it formally um in trouble but I was like what did they do I mean they were victims so they were considered willing participants and that policy is still in existence today now that pedophiler was never reported he is still a Jehovah's Witness um in this area and so two of my friends that were not related were abused by them and their parents didn't even report it to the police either and there's many reasons for that because, you know, they don't want to put a target on their back or maybe they feel it was just um, isolated case, but he was forgiven by the church. Um, but he has no warrant. He is not on the offenders list and these 
you know, in my opinion, those were victims. They were not willing participants, but according to Jehovah's Witnesses, they were willing participants because they didn't um, uh, scream and yell. And, and if anybody knows the grooming process, um, you know, of um, using, and they were kind, they were uneducated um, too. They were, these were girls that were on homeschool. They got their proficiency test, house cleaning. They were being groomed for uh, pioneering. So these just aren't even like city kids that could really feel empowered. They're not getting like these, um, you know, teachers. So, so there's layers to these issues, um, how these children are, um, not being protected in organizations like this. So, so they get in trouble for speaking up and then, well, they got in trouble because they were a willing participant. So oh, <laughs> I know. God. And so there's other issues too. Now there is a secret elder book. There's a secret society. Why not make the book public? So there's rules in there. If somebody has, um, if the elders come across like child pornea or something, mm -hmm. um, pornography, they don't report that. That's not a crime to them. That's not like a gross sin. Um, so smoking a cigarette or something like that is more punishable. But um, if you are a victim, they um, make you have two witnesses. And a lot of children that are abused physically or whatever, um, they do not have two witnesses. So even if there's like a DNA kit or a rape kit, that is not Bible evidence. It has to be two witnesses. And they even um, Jeffrey Jackson, he's one of the governing body. There's eight men that rule this whole international thing in the in front of the Australian commissioner. He told they were he said they would never change on their policy because their policies are the Bible. And they're like, yeah, but can't you just like change for the protection of children? And he wouldn't. And so it's a very interesting case because here these are like the presidents of the yeah. Um, thing. And you would just think that um, somebody with modern times that care about children would maybe change some of their policies to protect people and they won't put labels on them. So like if they do get disfellowshipped and they're back in, they're forgiven. They, you know, they'll take in, they're down at the kingdom or the prisons, which, you know, I'm fine with that, but it's just like, if somebody is on a list or they're known for certain behaviors, um, why do they get to work in field ministry with children? And you're kind of in a culture. I saw an essay put on Reddit the other day by somebody that said that in the world, age age groups usually don't mix. Like it's just not appropriate, like for young people to be hanging out with old. And so they said that they observed at district conventions, like people like like little kids having to hug older people that are kind of like maybe not that close to their family and intermingling, they encourage it, like hang out with people of all ages. Um, so there's really no, the, the rules are written not to protect children. Now the Catholic church, they did do some things or like the Girl Scouts, some of them, I don't know if they've, how much they work, but they have tried to implement certain procedures that do protect kids. So at least like, you know, they're making some changes, but these people don't make any changes because they're going to stand by their thing. And they, you know, it's just, it, it just seems so crazy to me. <laughs> okay, I have a, I have a question. Cause like in, in Catholicism, we have like, we have our, you know, Vatican where you have all the bishops and the Pope and, you know, they make all the laws and stuff. In Jehovah's Witnesses, do you have your own Vatican or what's the name of that yes. board? 
Yes. So they, the international headquarters is in New York and they have a couple different locations. I've been to um, one of their locations a couple times um, and they are building more. A lot of people are leaving, but um, they are building equivalent to a small city um, in Fishkill, um, New York and Ramapu. They're going to be film centers. They're moving more to like films and that kind of media, but they are all ran by eight governing body members. Um, eight of them, seven of them are white. One is black. And yeah, they are running the whole thing for the entire world. This is all over many languages. Um, over here in America, our numbers are falling, but in other countries, they may be rising. I've heard like in Africa, I mean, this is what I've heard. So, and it's hard to tr even trust their numbers because I know people that their cards are still with them. Um, because if they take back their card, they're going to get removed and they will make sure that their family members find out. So they're kind of being held hostage. And this all came out in Norway, um, too, in an interesting matter. Um, they, the government was paying money to the Jehovah's Witness with tax dollars, and they said, you cannot hold your members hostage. So that was like a whole other thing. They weren't trying to shut them down, but it was hostage. But yeah, so anyways, <laughs> off track. Yes, yeah, the whole thing's yeah. being ran over in New York. And in pictures, they put these eight members kind of like, they're becoming more well-known. They used to be more like behind the scenes, but now they are God's um, messenger. They are like God's prop. Profit. They make the um, food for everybody. They have enlightenment. They are God. When you get baptized, um, you have to acknowledge them. There, there's like a baptism question. Like, do you feel that's because you can't just read the Bible. You have to read their literature with the Bible. They make it so complicated that you have to. <laughs> it's theirs to understand <laughs> the Bible. So, um, so even if they fail a lot of prophecies, um, you have that's the people, but yeah, it's set up very similar. And that's why it is kind of like, um, people say that it is like a sect of Christendom. They run things, um, very similar. And are, are they doing anything to protect victims or is it, is it always going to be the same where there has to be two witnesses? They have not changed it in the governing body members said recently, Jeffrey Jacks or yeah, Jeffrey um, said that, no, he would not change it. So what they're having now is a ton of lawsuits, a ton, and they're having to hire a lot of attorneys um, to fight them because, and um, some of the cases, like we found out a couple days ago, I think it's the one in Montana, one of the attorneys, they said Brumley, the court was not happy with some of the things that he did, and he may be penalized personally. So now we're finding with as awareness and so many victims coming forth and they have substantial evidence Um this this is creating some journalism and it's making a lot leave um because they're disgusted by it um, many don't know until um they start to look at some of these cases i mean we have monica hines versus watchtower um she actually you may relate to this she worked at the headquarters she was a child that was sex trafficked and work trafficked and her abuser admitted 
to his crimes of sodomy and they did not report it to the police according to um, the case going on um, and it looks like people saw um, that he still has access to um, he does film for um, Jehovah's Witness on his Instagram he had like um, a half a million followers or something uh -huh. under a different name with all these Jehovah's Witness kids he was like definitely at very high up conventions um, some kind of film out his name is Bill Briggs and so the case hasn't settled but this kind of just gives you an example um, we got another case popping up now in um, the state of Washington I think it the last name's Jones so these are every popping up everywhere coming, every day they're coming up and it's like crazy yeah and and actually but a lot of victims don't I mean they're contacting me I mean like I'll have like youth kind of reach out and I don't even think they're using their real name with me they're very scared um, a lot of pain um, because their families are in it. And that means like talking about it just makes them feel like it's like this monster. So um, not everybody, not all the laws in the States, like there's a, a victim I know he's gone to the FBI and stuff, but it was past the um, statutory um, limit. So by the time they can really come out with their stories, it might be past the time, but that could change with laws if, if people like you and me and all the people very passionate about it um, start to open up these statutory limits, then we could have more. And that's that's all, the only thing I can see that will penetrate some of these organizations um, is loss of membership and also, um, you know, damaging them. And, and the Catholic Church just came out with an announcement the other day, too, which was just like the Watchtower. I don't know if you saw that. I put it on my Twitter, but um, they are seizing, um, it looks like, bank accounts um, from their smaller entities. You know, they're using words I'm not familiar with, but in our era, in our past religion they were called kingdom halls and each kingdom hall had a bank account and we okay. would build savings for it and we would you know kind of like donate a lot of money for some kind of thing like we'd want our own kingdom hall in a certain city or something or, or a remodel project well they are seizing those funds and bringing it to the headquarters well the catholic church just announced that a couple days ago on catholic news and the guy who did you see that? I think I I saw I saw just the the headline how they're seizing well they're they're diverting all the funds from the parishes to go to Vatican Bank over in Rome, which so are the parishes kind of like local congregates? No, like, a, a parish would be like you know yeah your local kingdom hall. So you have like okay you have a it's diocese. <laughs> a diocese is like the little a little kingdom a little like a little city and yeah. the like the mayor would be the bishop kind of thing okay yeah all, see? all that money is going to the vatican i'm getting that's what i saw in the yeah, headline it's going to yeah they have their own bank and then yeah so this if anybody wants to research this you just go to catholic news and this is another link from the catholic church to the jehovah's witness there's um a guy that sits on a board his name is massimo Intravig. Um, he is used by the Jehovah's Witnesses and other um, countries, and they feature the him on their library and on their videos. There's a video of him, and he um, is a lobbyist and an attorney and sits on one of the Catholic boards, and he's a writer for um, Catholic News. And so anyways, go to Catholic News if anybody wants to find the article, but it's almost the identical announcement that we got for the exact same date that the watchtower was going to in some countries close, um, start 
piloting or taking that money back. And there's, you know, different theories on why, but, um, you know, it's probably like high control and it's, um, you know, getting more liquidity in their hands. So I think it's funny because it was like the identical yeah. day in everything as the Catholic church. <laughs> but, but one thing I've been kind of wondering, and maybe you can help me, you know, have some clarification on this is, well, I've never, I've rarely heard any like media uh, regarding the Jehovah Witnesses and molestation and child abuse. Oh, really? It's, it's very, and you know, I, I don't, I don't watch TV that much. Um, you know, now that, I have now that I'm out of the call. Yeah. You know, I'm, it's not. I'm still not used to really watching too much TV, but um, I haven't heard so much until I got involved in Twitter. Um, that like that's where I really saw like like you were saying. There's just so many people connecting. And I'm that, a big fan of Twitter. Information, the way it's shifting, is um, well. There's things about that. Um, that's like a whole other discussion, but you know, media is owned by big industry. Little media is owned by big. And even Jehovah's witnesses are a media. If you look on their things, they do news, they make announcements over, you know, the pandemic or whatever, and it pops up in news feeds. So even they are a media company. So, uh, Twitter is very good because you can kind of connect on certain, themes. And that's how, you know, I've been able to, and you can circulate information and you have access to people like you or me, I would consider you a content creator, but, um, I've had journalists pull, um, contact me that are in other countries or people working on articles and they're just looking for some research. And I've been able to, oh, okay, at least I can connect you to this person or, oh, I have, I can answer that. Or, you know, they're doing research. So it's a great way for journalists, or you want to support your favorite journalist or share an article, you know, you're forming your own little group of, you know, you're fighting the animals or whatever it is. Twitter is really actually getting a comeback for that because people are changing the way that they read and um, circulate information. So I'm very pro Twitter. I love yeah. Twitter. It, it, changed, <laughs> it changed my perspective because like a few weeks ago, um, well, a f maybe a few months ago, I mean, my timeline is all off, but I was at the park and I saw a bunch of Jehovah Witnesses. They had pamphlets, they had a little, like a little stand there, but they didn't engage with me. I said, hello. And you know, they, they kind of like looked away and it's like, all right, whatever. But I saw the Jehovah Witnesses as this loving, kind of like peaceful community, and I saw nothing, nothing wrong. Uh, but now that now that I'm involved in Twitter and seeing all yeah. of these articles, uh, so like I'm trying <laughs> to think, like for the person who doesn't know about all these abuses and you know, they, they encounter a Jehovah yeah. Witness. How easy is it for people to get recruited? Like, are they still recruited? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. And okay. So for instance, in my area, the carts are popping up. They just made an announcement and the carts coming back and the door to door is resuming this month. The people in my area, they like to mind their own business because that's kind of an American thing, I think. But here's the thing is, um, I have seen some posts about the Jehovah's Witnesses and I'm like, um, we should make it our business because they're after your youth. I mean, I was at the college uh, recruiting people. I used to bring as a kid, 
back uh brochures in my backpack yeah. you know so you do we do need to know and steve hasing the one that wrote come all those cold books he was like children need to be prepared so knowledge is power so i know it may people are like oh it doesn't affect me or we'll let those people be but how good is it i mean or you speak to i know you know Vinny vicosis with the sam five that was like a terrible cult mm. and and people would come on the compound and just see these people they knew what they were doing but nobody was making it their business to really look at these kids that were like working their hands to the bones and being beaten and just abused. And so we have to make it our business and, and maybe it won't affect your family, but they're after your youth. And, and I know their tactics because we used them, we were taught them. And so when you go door to door, um, you will find use, use are much more easier to convert than a growing adult (laughs) because they got all their faculty, you know, they got life Mm -hmm. experience, they've seen things, but the youth, uh, and there's some adults that are more easily to be targeted to like young moms are going through a change and they just want to be like, so they could kind of capitalize on them too. But, um, the youth, you, they show them, you know, these scary things and they're telling them that the world is dying and they're showing these scriptures. And then pretty soon they're thinking that, and then they tell them it's God's theocratic warfare. You don't have to tell your parents. Um, if it interviews with her study, most of them do, they say, please tell your parents, but these tactics, their parents may be okay with it. They're thinking, Oh, great. They're going to learn about God. They look like nice people, but (laughs) they don't realize if their child goes into this cult, they are not going to take that scholarship at college um, because they won't be allowed to. And um, they also, um, you know, they could eventually be kind of broken away from their family because your family is, they say it from the talk, is the people that are here. These are your grandmas. These are your, Uh, um, this, this is your spiritual family. This is the most important family. So they're not going to encourage that relationship. And I've seen wives that studied and then all of a sudden they weren't going to their own kid's birthday. These are the ones I felt bad. Like I was in on their studies and it caused them some family problems with their daughters and stuff. And so, I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses, weren't building their family together they were actually now separating the mom you know she i don't think her husband appreciated that but like there was some issues and these kids weren't happy that their mom is now at meetings like five times a week and they're not going to their own birthday and preaching to them and stuff so and there's no yeah. like there's no like flexibility not really <laughs> No. Yeah. It's two years to study. And um, it's the excommunication process that really holds it on to you because some people like they try to create their own religion, I think. But if you get caught, let's say, you know, you're a fader. That's what I discuss in the book. There's different Mm -hmm. people. There's a lot of people that have faded out, but there's other people that have barely done anything and they're being spied on and constantly like berated in front of elders to be kicked out or they don't let them back in because, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, so that's in there. So let's say these faded people, they want to leave. They can't just celebrate Christmas or vote or put a flag in front of their house. 
Um, so they, I noticed I have a lot of these people I'm knowing when I was young and they celebrate in private. Um, they don't get to post their holiday pictures or they have to go to things they don't want to do, <laughs> um, like memorial and stuff. So they're not really living an authentic life or there's gay people. They're hiding that they're gay. And that's sad. It's like, why can't you just at 40 years old, you know, why do you have to say that's your friend when you guys are in a relationship? It just, it's sad to me, but that's what a lot do because of the excommunication process. So I kind of feel like it should be personal choice if you relieve yourself. So in my case, I wanted to stay in and they did not let me in. They kicked me out and made my life miserable and that's what they do and so you don't get selection it's not so you they kind of decide that for you against your will <laughs> so well now that i'm doing some research i've i've learned some new terms and or abbreviations i think uh, one of them was physically out mentally oh in. yeah that's kind of a newer term i mean there's I've, a lot of them yeah there, so there anybody's listening yeah, what's chemo. That? PMO. There's a lot of them and they tend not to use their real name, which I totally understand. I have friends like that. Um, I mean, well, they're all the way out, but they still can't be authentic. Um, I think their family knows that they're not, but like in my case, I was told whether I believed it or not, I had to go back and that's what you do. And so, um, and I was willing to do it, but they didn't let me back. And I wasn't going to even if there was a 1% chance, I wasn't going to let my kids um, be abused and be alone with people I what didn't trust or know. I mean, these are people that I could not trust. They were hunting me down and I saw them treat me different than my ex. And so why would I send over my beautiful gifted gifts to these men? And so, so I, shame on them for being creepy and wanting to be alone with my kids when I don't even know them, they should be focusing on their own family. <laughs> exactly, That's the way exactly, I feel. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, me, I'm disturbed by the fact that, you know, you did try to go back and then they, they shunned you. It just, um, it, it's like an old habit. Yeah. I mean, it, it is better now. I'm really glad. And when my daughter was like, please stop, stop. You're doing this because your parents did this to you. She knew, she knew because she knew me and we talked about it. And, and once she gave me that, I was fine. I was like, I'm never going back. And that's the end. So, I mean, I had little ticks afterwards, like, um, holidays were a little difficult because you're not allowed to do holidays and not because I felt guilty, but I was afraid. What if somebody, I was afraid of like a fine, because that's an apostate and apostate is worse than a murderer. It is worse than, you know, a CSA person. So if I got caught, my friend was telling me, she was like, please just live your life. But she was doing the same thing too. She was having, um, she was fully out, but she said that if her parents gave the call, uh, cause they have bug out bags. She was going to go with them, even though she knew Armageddon wasn't coming. And I said, you would leave your job and your house and like, put yourself, your parents don't pay your bills. And she was like, yeah, because that's what I have to do. And I was like, well, you should research to make sure Armageddon, you really don't think Armageddon's coming. Like you're sure acting like it. Would you jump off a bridge? If your parents, like sometimes we have little things that we got to snap out and that's that process. You know, I'm good now. Like it's all out. Yeah. Um, you're, you sound, but, you but sound we know. Very we good. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what advice would you give to someone who is trying, who is out, but is still mentally in and is struggling with the, uh, the process of leaving entirely? Do you have that any, is a like, lot tips? of people. 
I have people asking me to send them books. Um, you know, uh, they don't want to use their account. I had one pick it up. So yeah, so I'm seeing, I was like, we can request a library, look at it in library. You can request other research books. They message me. Um, so it is a process. These ones that are in, um, the best thing is research, uh, be open-minded. You know, some of the stuff is conspiracy theory or whatever. It may mm -hmm. be fun, but Look for yourself because everybody that my friends that have left and probably same with you, different things violated us more. Now, somebody may not have seen the abuse that I did or um, saw that people without a strong father figure like me, you know, they're not as protected as like an elder's kid. So, um, or women, you know, were raised in this culture. I found out later on that a lot of my friends, when they read my book, because I'm talking about this massage, misogynistic culture that women are less than men. I didn't know they were. So this really sad as a youth that you're not talking about these things. So the more that they kind of reach out to the community, um, they can get the research that they need because there's a ton, but it's so overwhelming. There's so much. So it's like, I do have people reach out and go, can you give me um, like some ideas to read? And then I'm like, well, this could be triggering because of this, you know, I liked this book because some of it, it may be too much for them. Yeah. So that's where my book came in because I wanted something light and fun. And I did have one Jehovah's Witness girl already. She said it wasn't an apostate book. So she felt comfortable with her conscience reading it because it was like a light, fun story because okay. <laughs> it's more like, you know, humor and stuff. So it was like, good. That was kind of my agenda. I didn't want it to be like this full blown, you know, depressing story or something. So, so everybody has like a different something, but reaching out to the community, Facebook has countless, um, ex Jehovah's witness, um, support groups. There's other ones that are with other cults. I'm in those too. So I like hearing about the other ones or I'll follow like cult news. Um, they'll talk about, there's like, psychologists putting together groups. So there's a group for everything, you know? Yeah. And so that really helps. And, and some of us that are older and have been out for a while, like we just, just sometimes people just want to know they're going to be okay. Like we'll see a young girl, she's having a baby and maybe she doesn't know who the dad is, but she wanted to have her baby and she wants to be excited about it. But everybody in her family is making her life miserable and making her feel like a harlot. And we're like, honey, be happy. You're going to be a good mom. You know, like we're just giving encouragement. We're like, Hey, we're orphans too. Like this is your chance, you know, to make a change and don't let, you know, them and their negativity and their bad parenting pull you down. Like, so we do a lot of that, just, you know, just small words and Reddit, the Reddit community is yeah. humongous. Um, and then some are just for women. Some you aren't allowed to talk about Bible things because a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses are triggered by um, the Bible because it's been beaten over our heads mm. so much. So, um, so I could totally understand that too. <laughs> so from, from what I'm hearing is that like, when you're inside, you're at the mercy of the the elders, or is that how you call them? You're at yeah. you're at their mercy. <laughs> They're uh, God's appointed people. Yeah. If you get pregnant or if you're smoking or drinking, that that's it. Yeah, you're, that's you're, it. Well, when you get pregnant, let's say girl, they first ask. <laughs> they ask that these are. I mean, all my friends have been in stuff like this. They ask you, um, who knows about it? These are the things that qualify whether you're going to be in or out. This is their decision-making process. Um, who knows about it? Because if a lot of people know about it, 
then we got to make it public because, and they'll even be very open about that and say, you know, we want to keep the congregation clean. People may think this is acceptable behavior. And then you get asked because you told people. So if you do sin, you don't want to tell people. And then the second question they ask is, um, are you pregnant? How do you know you're not pregnant? Because that's, you can't just show up being pregnant. You're mm-hmm. automatically have to be formally disciplined because they're not, they will refuse to be a laughing matter. So, you know, just, it's just the thing. But to me, it's like, why do that to that mom mm-hmm. and that kid? It's like, you know, they don't let you have an abortion that is covered in there, but let her have, let her, you know, she's bringing a life into the world. Let's show some kindness. I mean, I they mean, don't they don't um, celebrate that a life is coming into the world. They don't, no. you know, take care of her that she's gonna be a well, mother. she would, but it has strings attached. So if she has to really be sorry, like very apologetic, she will get a formal discipline of like a name, um, like a warning. It will be an announcement. Um, and she better have some waterworks and then she better back this up with to get these people's attention. She needs to like be at the meetings and comment and like, really like, and when you comment you, or you're being organized and filled service, you're being all ran by men. And so you got to tell the brother, thank you for arranging you, even though you're paying your own gas and your own time. Um, cause women, you know, they, they are, men are the head over women. And and this is common in a lot of these um, things. That's how they control them. And so there are strings attached. And there is a difference because my daughter, she went to um, a nursing program for college and she was working at um, a very cool um, homeless shelter for, it was for women that were pregnant or they had a little kid. That was the requirement. And they had to, they could have been an addict, but they had to be clean while they're there. Like a little tiny bit of a carrot but they didn't make these ladies study. Um, there was no strings attached. And I thought that's refreshing. I mean, they're helping people. They, it was ran by some Catholic ladies, but um, I went, I was give my daughter was very touched at this program. The ladies are putting, and I just thought how beautiful they're helping somebody without expecting them. No strings to, attached. Yeah. That is not the case of the Jehovah's Witness. They will not help you unless you are showing some kind of works. They call it. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if you've you've seen this um, Netflix documentary. It was about the Latter Day Saints, the or the um, fundamental Latter Day Saints. Yeah, I've watched I, a couple of them. I, I, I love it, all that stuff. <laughs> I think it was called Pray and Obey or something like Listen yeah. and Obey. And there's a part there, there where you, where you have like the main the main leader or prophet. And how he, as, as you're sharing your story, how like, you know, you have to be sorrowful and you have to be repentant. And I'm kind of thinking about him and how he, you know, he did all of his abuses and we all know about it. It just pisses me off really that yeah. they, they treat women like this and the rest of the community. And yet they've, they've done so much they've done so many criminal activities on their own and yet yeah. i mean they're not crying they're not apologizing have they apologized no no and the and the job is they don't give any counseling they fight these people um and they either quickly give them hush money which I'm more power to these people because you know it takes a lot of effort to go public on your case or um, they're fighting them and so they don't have any kind of mental help for these people that are shunned i've known two 
two from my area that were used that committed suicide from being shunned. And it's sad. And we got children that were not given a chance for blood transfusions. They die too. Um, there's just no, there's no help for these families that are suffering loss. Um, yeah. And then also with their judicial, people don't know they're sexually interrogating children. And I've listened, that's why like Twitter, I'm in like some groups and stuff where, you know, I'm learning from psychologists and people that handle abuse of children. This is 100% wrong what they're doing to children. Um, three older men interrogating them, asking if they like it or for, there's no women um, leadership allowed. Um, it, it's, and they're taking notes. Um, in my case, they were saying um, with fornication, you can, you would be stoned. They spared my life. That is spiritual abuse to say that they would have stoned me. These elders would have stoned me. And I thought that I felt so crushed and hurt. So, you know, this is, this is abuse and they're doing this to children too. And then saying, announcing their name afterwards, when they've been abused by somebody older than their father, then they're suffering it. shame. And then you're wondering if you'll even find a marriage perspective because you can only date in this Jehovah's Witness thing. And you know, the pickings are slim. <laughs> Reputation is everything, everything for a woman. If you want to find that marriage prospect, I mean, you're not allowed to marry outside of your organization. I know it's a little mind blowing. <laughs> it, it, mind and we blowing. haven't even touched education, education. We haven't hit that subject too. A lot of people don't know how the Jehovah's Witness feel about, um, their education. I believe me, they, they wouldn't want these witnesses coming at, around their colleges or they wouldn't want them studying with their children if they knew their real views. Um, so do you have your own schools or how does that work? Like they, um, a lot of them are on homeschool. Most people I knew didn't get formal diplomas. They got proficiencies. I personally went to um, an unaccredited Jehovah's Witness school, so you wouldn't even be able to get a government job with it. The only reason I found out that it was unaccredited because we moved and I had to get into, um, you know, school and they were like, this isn't accredited. I had to redo my stuff, but um you know, the college counselors make you mean. And I was like, well, I'm not going to college. So, and they're like, can we talk to your parents? We get that a lot. Or like, I was really good at basketball and volleyball because I'm tall. And they were like, and you run. And I loved sports so much. And um, they were like, why can't you do it? You're really good at it. And, um, and they're like, let's call your home. And I said, if you call my home, it's only going to make, I promise you, it will absolutely 100%. They will never do that. Extracurricular activities are bad. So, um, and that's association with the world. And so I was like, don't do it because it will irritate them. So, um, so I have aligned with some other, um, organizations like the Amish and stuff. And I feel like it applies to Jehovah's Witnesses as well. Um, like the Amish community here in America, they their kids have gone to unaccredited school because they don't report um, physical or other kinds of abuse to authorities. And so, because they're not required by law. So those mothers, we are like the mothers against drunk driving, but we're about the children. And I said, absolutely. I said, I went to unaccredited school and, um, and I 
do know these mothers do not want see they do not want um child protective services poking around so um yeah absolutely and they're very strongly these mothers her name's misty griffin she wrote a couple books and um she's advocate for um, children's education and she truly believes and i believe it too that children have a right to a proper education and that means that they could if you get on an undercredited school, you can't get into college and, and, and not just on paper wise, but let's be real. Like the education is just lacking. And so I feel like that too. And I I've seen it over and over again. Why even get, first of all, the leaders say, don't do it. It's Satan. Elders have got, I put a letter up there. Elders have gotten removed for their daughter going to college. They can't even be a leader anymore. Um, so and, and there's multiple reasons for it. I think, you know, they don't want people being, you know, looking outside their library. And then um, they want people, they want your time, money, and everything, either in construction services or peddling um, to this money-making film and publishing company. And so telling your kids going to college, that, that puts them at risk. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so that, they're very as, against education. As you're saying all of this, because... <laughs> In, in my case, I was recruited when I was 16, 17. I say 16, 17 because I was still 16 when I was kind of in the talks with them and mm. when I agreed to join. And then I just turned 17 when That's I... That's very formable years. I You're left, very vulnerable at that I left, time. I was still in high school, left high school. But the promise was, yeah, you'll be getting a good education. Don't worry. Oh. And then my founder, what he said later was, because usually like in Catholicism, you know, for like, if you want to study for the priesthood or theology, you go to a real legit university, either like in DC or in California or in Rome, wherever, France, yeah. that are legit. And this, this founder, I remember him saying um, something like, because he did send former uh, seminarians to Rome. And what happened was, that they ended up leaving. I think that they kind of opened their their yeah. mind and it's like, okay, well, maybe this isn't for me. So what this what my founder did was, okay, so you're not in uh, influenced by a demonic education. I'm gonna have my own education and you're gonna yeah. study with us. And then when I left, it's like I had no freaking education. I left. I joined when I was 17 and I left when I was uh, 28 and it's oh, like, wow. I, I didn't know what to do. It's like, you know, where do I, I it's yeah. like, Hey, I, I went to this school and it's like, yeah, that's, I mean, it means nothing. <laughs> it, means, it means absolutely nothing. I see it nothing. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in your case, you're saying that, you know, even if they go to university, the, the family that's, gets that's prohibited. Now you won't get disfellowship, but your dad couldn't be an elder and he'll live at home. Um, that is against their policy. We have leaked letters about that. Um, I had a girl contact me the other day and said her mom would not sign the FAFSA. Um, you know, a lot of the Jehovah's Witnesses don't have a lot of money um, because there's no extra time for extra, you know, in the world, sometimes people will work a second job or work towards another certificate or something, but not with Jehovah's Witness families generally. Um, and I'm talking about most of them. Some of them have businesses and stuff, but there is a lot of time that's required to give back to the church. So, um, but she wouldn't sign the FAFSA for her because that was a big no, no. And that really hurt her. 
Um, but you know, this is like normal. Um, another friend, she was getting a music degree. She went on the channel, uh, the drip, um, about oh. a month ago, it was my friend and she was getting a music degree in piano. She had no friends growing up. So the piano was her friend and in her, she was very good at it because she spent a lot of time on it and she had to play Ava Marie and she told her parents, she regrets telling her parents to this day and they made her leave the school. And they were like, you're on your way to a scholarship. That was her dream. That's what she wanted to be. Now she's, you know, a teacher, but, um, but that this is normal. I mean, she was, college is like <laughs> yeah or like uh people will be on the stage now they use the district convention now when they are under the government in some of these countries try to like take away some of their funding they're not trying to shut them down they're only trying to take away some of their tax money like in some countries they get that and um they try to say that they don't do certain things to use but they absolutely do recruit use um, as minors. And uh, what they do is they put minors or people on the stage, um, like they get baptized, maybe as young as eight years old, they may interview them. And I used to always like to hear all the kids like dedicating their life. You get a lot of speakers on there saying that they turned down like Harvard um, scholarships, music career, they were going to be this, or they were going to be that. And they gave it all back to Jehovah. And so this is the message that they're giving to use. But then at the same time, the next one's like, we're just right here. It's the end. It's the end. Tomorrow's going to be the end. We may not have our next convention. We got to warn others. So, so it's like when you're young, you believe this stuff. Even if your parents may not be as Armageddon promoting, I believed it because it was everything. I was pulled into this emotional hype of thousands of people. We would go to a lot of conventions out of town. And then there was just like oh, so much emotion and people are crying and they got a book release about Armageddon and it's showing these pictures. So there is like an emotion that is of urgency. So why would you be so selfish to want to get a medical degree or something to help people? And so that's where I kind of like with the book, I wanted to show the difference because my friends, they try to teach you that when you leave, you are, your kids will probably be doing heroin, murdering, hijacking cars, whatever. But I found the opposite. They were actually loving the world. They want to help people. They love animals. There's so much more love. I didn't really see that growing up with friends. It was more like, how can we escape? How can we get married? Which guy can we get to get out of our house? Um, you know, it was just like, there was no culture like that. Or they're hiding, you know, marijuana use or something. It was just a lot of dysfunction. Um, but these kids in the world, they're actually not obsessed with these things. I saw they're more like, hey, this is an opportunity. I'm looking into colleges. I want to like, be in law to help. And it's like, whoa, I have never seen so many people from the bottom of their heart wanting to help the world. And that's when I started just from life experience. I was like, I was told lies mm -hmm. <laughs> about the world. And I truly don't think Armageddon is coming. And I do like this life. I don't want the history destroyed in the art. And my kids want to make a difference in the world. And I encourage it. What Bring your passions. You know, we all should be doing something. I mean, it feels good to want to work with your community to could be as simple as like um, recycling or something, or like with this, we spend hours on this. There's no pay or anything. It's from, because we believe in something and we want the world to be a, a safer place for people.
I mean, and, and I, I, I can hear your passion, even even when I'm reading your tweets. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't hear your voice, but I can hear your passion, and it it just resonates with me because, like, there is a narrative inside, uh, in in my community, and that narrative was that anyone who leaves us is going to be, uh, you know, suffering through damnation, or they're going to be living a life of. Uh, uh, darkness and they're going to be cursed and they're going to be hopeless so don't be like yeah. them stay with us I believed that we believed yeah, it. it was all lies <laughs> now they are I mean I'm gonna own it I'm depressed when I mean it doesn't feel good to lose when you're young and you're you know your late teens and your whole foundation gets ripped out from you and you're an orphan um, from your family <laughs> yeah I mean, that's very difficult to do. And then you realize you got to support yourself. Your family doesn't have money or they're not sharing with you. They're, they don't, they're not, they're not trying to help you get into college or make you a survivor or anything. Not like what I do for my children. So, um, yeah, so it's, it, it's really a terrible thing. So yeah, so you are sad. And then they have a line for that too. They go, oh, see how sad she is. And they, they're sickos. They're sickos. I've had friends like that too. Yeah, they have been on drugs and stuff. And yeah, they do. But they got clean after they realized where it was coming from. It hurts when your family does that and that you've had your hopes and dreams ripped from you. Nobody asked a Jehovah's Witness kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? The correct answer is full-time ministry for Jehovah or be a mom, you know, which there's something wrong with being a mom, but not everybody wants to be a mom in their twenties. <laughs> and not everybody wants to like go to five meetings a week and dedicate and do free construction for this company, which they're trying to, um, you know, the, the elite families of Jehovah's Witnesses, they get used for construction. Oh joy, you're free labor. <laughs> <laughs> they like, they like it. They like, they, like, they like for you to work while they just, you know, relax yeah. and live their it's happy lives. And then you see the other end where my friends, they're like, their parents are suffering financially as old. So now see, we're taking our more mature brain. We couldn't see this when we were young. I mm -hmm. couldn't see it. But when you're older this way and we're saving for our retirement, thankfully you got out soon because then you, you have many years to work on yourself and getting yourself strong. And when you're strong, you can help others. Like, you know, I funded my book. It was thousands of dollars and I knew that. So I mean, I was able to use my money from my hard earned money to do something I wanted to do for myself. And so, but see, these people don't have that because uh, most of them, um, they didn't save for retirement because Armageddon is coming. And if they are poor and they can't afford to get dental work, then they said they're doing something right. Because if they're not suffering, a lot of them are on pills. I saw a lot of sadness. A lot of them, their kids, like the you know, the ones that got woke, you know, some of them, they don't, a lot of these parents do not have association with their children because they, you know, there's one on Twitter, um, professor, the nicest guy, he's, um, an artist and his family, he was sharing, you know, his family doesn't talk to him because he's an elder and he got a divorce when he was young or something silly, you know? <laughs> so I see them suffering and they're not, I don't see that they're living this great life and they have to, some of them have to live off the government and stuff and their housing. And they show these really sad videos I saw some recent ones that are put out for the convention of a guy like in this room when he's old and he's looking at some pictures and it's like why why does why do we why are they making that it's like hey you guys work on yourself enjoy your family mm -hmm. um 
you know, save a little bit for retirement. I found working is fun. It's great as a woman to be independent and not, um, yeah. And, and that's probably why they didn't want me in because I have a smile on my face because and, and they don't, they don't like happiness. And I, we live in America. I mm -hmm. mean, <laughs> And, and I will promote it to any woman, please, you know, find your dreams. Like I was kind of like that in it, like, you know, wanted people to live a great life, but they don't, they even said the gym was selfish. And I, I kind of disagree because like taking care of your body and your health is very good for your mental state and your longevity and your stamina. So it's like, why are they, why were they making these things so terrible? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I'm really inspired by your passion, by your love for helping others. And I wanted to ask you to kind of uh, wrap this up. Uh, what advice uh, could you give for those who have been victims of abuse, of, you know, being uh, silenced? Uh, what can they do to kind of get out of that, you know, that, that prison that, that they're in? There is, I mean, it's a long road, but there's always hope. I've heard such terrible, terrible stories of people. And we we know a lot of, you know, just from our community of anti-cult, what they have gone through. I've read their information or their testimonies and they are finding joy today. And some of it is like, we are individuals and, and the individuality was not encouraged. And so- a lot of people leave, they don't know who they are. They don't even know what they like because building a muscle car was taken away from them or a music career or something. And, and they didn't get to do that. So, so you're trying to find other things. That's what, for me, like maybe this wasn't my dream career, but you know, I'm so thankful I got the time that I did and I didn't wake up like as a grandma or something like <laughs> the damage I've helped fix my line now. And I've fixed the damage with my daughter because she used to have to be in full-time ministry too. And so I focus on the positives and there's always something, there's so much I want to do with this life that I don't have enough time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I will never be bored. There's a lot to do. And if you have your health, there's something. And we are entering a really great age of information. I mean, the stuff, I wish the internet was the way it was when I was young because it would have been life-changing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, free information. You don't have to, I mean, I do encourage therapy, but even on Twitter, there's so many like doctors and stuff that are like giving like free podcasts. You have that Dr. Janja. Mm -hmm. um, excellent. And I'm years out and I was like, wow, I learned a couple things. I found her very encouraging. So sometimes even in the car, I'll listen to things because I want to know, you know, what, what the current status is on some of these colds or policies or, you know, some feel good stuff. So all this information is for free. Yeah. <laughs> And I've learned so much today listening to your story and listening to, you know, this information about cover-ups. And I think it, you know, really brings awareness, not only to, you know, Jehovah Witnesses, but also to those who might be thinking about joining. And, you know, now we can have our eyes open and yeah. use our mind. Yeah. And when you heal, you kind of like, for me, I'm using my stuff to help others because I've been out for a while, but I have with some use. And this is when you know your stuff, like, you know, it doesn't matter who these people are studying with um, some use. I do housing for some use. And one was with the Scientologist. These are people that didn't have families, these youths. And one was the Scientologist. And I didn't say, don't do it. I was just like, wow, I'm really concerned. I mean, you're in college. See if you will want 
want, I was like, spend that money on yourself to get yourself showing. You don't have a family to support you. These, sadly, these are all people that didn't have moms that they were in foster adults and stuff. And I just, it broke my heart that they'd be taken advantage of. And so I was like, you know, if you feel that way after you're educated, I mean, I was in a cult too. And I know. And so then that was one, another one was a Mormon. Um, and so it was like, focus on your education you know, so, so it doesn't matter. It's not just a Jehovah's Witness. When you start to see patterns, I mean, people, a lot of people do really great things for religion and bring some peace and hope and makes them feel like they maybe are a better person. That's okay. But that's why the, that Steve Hazing book about the checklist, like, does this go with your, is this building me up? Is this building my family up? Is this, you know, aligning with my ethics? Are they just wanting like money from me and my time, you know? <laughs> so it's all about critical um, thinking. So I doubt those girls, I've talked with them, that they wouldn't even approach those. Um, the education system, once, you know, they got a taste for that, I think they were fine. <laughs> well, it's been an amazing interview. And before we, we close, um, can you uh, share just a little bit more about your book? Call yes, yes. So this came out... Um, this year. So it's new and, um, it's in a lot of libraries. I just recently, um, looked on Google and in Vancouver, like please request indie books are really hard to get into libraries, but the, um, Vancouver library just got six copies and all six were already, um, rented out. They put it in their young people, uh, section. And so some people are giving it to gifts for people just to build, build awareness. But a lot of people reach out to me. They just find it really comforting that it's like light and comedy, but it is for public awareness too. Um, just to show, you know, how women are treated and, um, and so there's something for everybody because it's for women who wanted to be better people and they all didn't do the same path. Like they didn't all just leave the religion. Um, they all had a different path. And so, um, so anyways, you'll have to get into it to see it, but that was the beautiful part of the story. And I hope that more people, this was, um, graphic novels are going this way. And I hope that more people, um, there's a lot of content for people people to read this kind of stuff. And the more that we get this in people's hands and our use, they'll have better critical thinking skills when they have somebody at work that's trying to recruit them or they're dating somebody or something. Now they know yeah. <laughs> that your husband is your boss and he literally can tell you whether you go to work or not. <laughs> well, I, I, um, again, I'm going to recommend this book. Um, and it's not only for Jehovah Witnesses, um, it's for anyone who's uh, thirsty for information. It's um, uh, those who have been out of the cult life like me. And like you can see maybe some similarities. And it's very, uh, as you were saying, it's very light, but it's at the same time, very informative. So oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Natalie. And I'll be dropping the link for the Amazon. Oh, uh, thank you so, so much. So the listeners can go check it out buy 10 copies i mean shoot why stop at one you know like <laughs> if, if, 
I, I see Jehovah Witnesses with all these pamphlets, you know, they have they have like 30 pamphlets. You know, might as well buy like 30 of these, you know, like give them give them one, you know. It's a lot more fun of a story. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you too for everything you do. So I'm here to support you. And everybody, please, if you see content like this, put the likes. Um to get this out to the public because we're entering a new time where there's a lot of people leaving, but at the same time, they're working on the youth. (laughs) So thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening.